Hello and welcome to your Divine Uniqueness Show. If you'd like to listen to live episodes and interact with our speakers, you can go to yourdivineuniqueness.com. Your, Y-O-U-R, Divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, Uniqueness, U-N-I-Q-U-E-N-E-S-S.com. Hello everyone, this is Monsef Afkel and thank you so much join us today in this new call of your divine uniqueness and today we will have a really really special call we have with us uh, here Derek Rydal and he is a best-selling author and the founder of the process the law of emergence and I find his, his teaching really profound and his message is a message of truth he helps you see the truth of how life on earth truly works and and also see the truth of what you are creating in your life, whether you, you do it consciously or unconsciously. And today we will, we will be talking about emergence, the radical process for achieving anything, regardless of conditions. And we will talk about different things like um, what is the law of emergence and you will understand why you still feel, feel stuck in different areas of your life, what you need to manifest your true desires and abundance regardless of your conditions and this means that you will no longer feel a victim of your conditions and also as always we will have a Q&A where uh, Derek will answer your questions so as always for those of you on the phone or Skype you, or the web call you can raise your hand by pressing star 2 and for those of you on the webcast page you can just type there your questions or comments on the question box all right, uh, now I would love to give you um, just a brief introduction to Derek. So part of the new generation of spiritual visionaries and thought leaders, Derek Rydal is the author of the first of the number one Amazon, Amazon Barnes and Noble bestseller, Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change, and the world's number one expert on the revolutionary law of emergence. He has trained top executives at Fortune 500 companies from American Express to Disney in empowered leadership and communications and has coached celebrities and media professionals, including Oscar and Emmy winners, on creating conscious entertainment. As a regular Huffington Post contributor and host of the top-rated Emergence podcast on iTunes, he reveals cutting-edge spiritual principles and success strategies to achieve financial freedom and abundance, master productivity and creativity, and gain true wealth and happiness. With his global platform, Derek has touched, touched hundreds of thousands around the planet with his message on finding your path, living your purpose, and making a powerful impact. And with that, Derek, I want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you so much, my brother. It's it's really an honor and a pleasure to be here, truly. This is my joy. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Derek. And, and yeah, before we, we start our discussion and talking about the law of emergence, um, I would love if you can maybe share with us part of your story, because I read it uh, in your book, and really on its own, it's it's really a true inspiration, true inspiration and really shifts our perspective on how we can transform our lives. So I would love if you can tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. And, you know, like so many people, 
And I think it's important, you know, for those people listening, the value of understanding somebody's story like mine is it's easy to look at somebody that's successful and seems to be doing all the things you want to do and say, well, yeah, that's easy for them to say, look at their life. <laughs> and um, But it's important to see that the same challenges and struggles that everybody has, people that ultimately break through to the other side, they have them too. And I'll also just add that, not only do I have, did I have tremendous challenges and struggles to get here, but I still have tremendous challenges. So, again, it's very heartening to know that, you know, even when you are successful and doing all the wonderful things and living what some people might call a dream life, you still have a lot of challenges, and that's okay. And one of the biggest challenges that we have is that we think somehow we're we're worse off than others or we're more broken than others or we're more damaged than others or just something about us is defective or so unworthy that we'll never be able to be or have what others have. And so as I talk about my story, I invite all of you to really, really feel into the truth of what I'm saying that, you know, even though it's almost a cliche now to say, I'm just like you or I was just where you were, it's, it's a cliche because it's the truth. <laughs> the truth, if it's said over and over again, it becomes a cliche when we stop understanding its deeper meaning. But it's a cliche because it's actually true. And, and you probably hear a lot of people tell their stories of how they got over, and it just starts to become like noise, and you don't really, really feel that, no, this is true. I really can get through my struggles. So like so many people, and maybe some of you listening, I struggled for, you know, a couple decades to heal and improve my life and achieve success and attract and all that stuff. And, you know, even, you know, going through the different religious texts of the world, you know, Judaism and Buddhism and Christianity, and I threw the Bible across the room many times. And, you know, the various things, you know, studying all these things, I didn't understand any of it. It all seemed like gibberish, and it wasn't helping. And, and I went through a decade of self-improvement. Uh, and after a decade of self-improvement, the only thing I improved was my ability to describe why my life was so messed up. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of improvement in that area. I got very good at articulating why things didn't work. You know, it was because when I was five, mommy didn't love me. Or when I was ten, daddy looked at my report card that had all A's and one B and all he cared about was the B. You know, it's like, whatever. I could tell you why things weren't working, but my life was still not working. And it got so bad that I, I ultimately became uh, addicted to drugs and alcohol to try to kind of quell the pain and the frustration of having tried so hard to make my life work, and it still wasn't. I was still sad and felt so unworthy and frustrated. And then I almost died of an overdose. And I remember lying in the hospital, in the emergency room with the IV snaking out of my arm and just going, how in the world did all of my self-improvement get me here? It didn't make sense, you know. And I, my brother always said I had a big head or a thick skull, and the universe whispered in my ear and tapped me on the shoulder and then took a two-by-four to my, to my head. And I was lying in that bed of splinters, but I still didn't crack open. And I just figured, well, I just haven't worked hard enough or – I just need to work sm more. I need to work harder or smarter. You know, we've heard those terms. Don't work harder, just work smarter. And so I tried to do that, and I dug in and 
redoubled my efforts. And things got a little bit better for a short time. And I ended up doing a movie in Jamaica. I was an actor. And I, and so I thought, wow, things are really turning around. And then everything went sideways again. The movie started failing. They fired the director. They fired the actors. I, was, I, I thought, I'm, I'm probably going to be next. And, and then I had a breakup, on-set romantic breakup. And I was just like, I can't catch a break. And so I decided to go diving in a coral reef alone, which was my first mistake. And then I prayed to get lost from everything above, which was my second mistake. Um, you got to be careful what you pray for. And very soon in this coral reef, I got lost and I got trapped. And nobody knew I was out there and nobody was coming to save me. And I was stuck in this giant, this like pocket of giant spiked coral rows of it beneath me, inches from my throat and my chest and my stomach. And then around me was a wall of, of uh, fire coral that one touch was like a thousand jellyfish stings. I couldn't swim down to get out or find out where I was, or I would have been totally skewered by these giant spikes. I couldn't lift my head out of the water to see where I was, or I would have been punctured in my chest by these spikes or my stomach. I couldn't breathe deeply because if I took a deep breath, I would have been punctured, and I couldn't paddle very easily. I had to paddle with the tips of my fingers just to stay at a certain water level so that I wouldn't sink on top of these spikes. So there I was, stuck in this pocket, paddling with the tips of my fingers, breathing in short, staccato breaths, you know, like... and. And my mind just began to go around and around and all of the unconscious fears and patterns and all the ways I would beat myself up, all of that started to come to the surface. And it was, it was literally a living nightmare. All the darkness, all the pain, all the anger. And I couldn't move. I could barely breathe. Nobody was coming to save me. I was just stuck in this nightmare. And at some point in that, I ran out of, the tape kind of ran its course. And it was like one of those old reel-to-reel tapes. It just like went off. It was just going around. And there was nothing left. And this sense of doom and finality came over me. And I knew I was going to die. I wasn't like, I hope I don't die. I'm afraid I'm going to die. I'd already moved through all that. I knew this was it. And all that was left for me was to surrender, you know. And it wasn't like a surrender like, well, if I surrender, God, I'll, you know, I'll go to church on Sunday if you'll get me out of this today. <laughs> you know, the universe was not bargaining. It was yeah. a total, whole-souled, unconditional surrender. And in that moment, something cracked open in me. And I saw, it was like a flash of light, and I saw that, this character that I was trying to fix and improve all these years was a fictional character, an amalgamation of peer pressure and societal conditioning and parental fantasies, and that nothing I ever did was ever going to make him enough because he was a fiction. But right behind that, there was the real me. There was this other energy, and it was he had never been hurt. He had never been damaged. That was just a story, but he was whole and complete and intact, so he didn't need to be fixed. 
He didn't need to be healed. Mm -hmm. He didn't need to be improved. In fact, he couldn't be improved because he was already perfect. And, again, it's just just a flash. I didn't have all the language I have for now. But it was radical. It was like Humpty Dumpty fell off the wall, and when it cracked open, this light came out. And in the next instant, this wave came along or the water lifted or I levitated. I still don't exactly know how in the world I got out. But in the next instant, I was leaping out and standing on top of the one place of coral outside of the pocket where I could stand, where there wasn't fire coral, and I was looking in at the hole I had been stuck in this whole time. And as I looked at this maze of coral, it was like this was a metaphor for my life. I had been swimming through this maze, following all these brightly colored objects until I was stuck and gasping for air and drowning. And that was the life I had been living. And now it was just right in front of me in 3D. And everything was shimmering with this light and this energy. And, and I knew that the man that swam out was not the same one that swam in. And my life just radically shifted. And I, I ended up trying to become a monk. And that didn't work out too well. About a, less than a week into silence, fasting, for the first time ever, I freaked out so badly that I broke into the monk's kitchen in the middle of the night and stole food out of their refrigerator. So um, they, 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 you know, I got the message that I probably the monastic life wasn't for me. But I ended up cloistering myself in my apartment, and I went on this inward journey. And I worked with this insight that I had, you know, in that coral reef. And what I saw was that just like the oak tree is already in the acorn. And the acorn doesn't go out and achieve an oak. It doesn't improve itself into an oak. And it doesn't attract an oak. It surrenders to the soil. And when the conditions in the soil match the pattern within the seed, its inherent potential naturally emerges. And this is what I ended up calling the law of emergence. It's how all of nature works. And then as I studied quantum physics and all that, I realized that we live in an emergent universe. Life doesn't happen to us. It happens through and from us. That there is a seed of potential, of purpose, planted in the soil of our soul. And when we cultivate the right and the ripe conditions, the conditions that are congruent with that seed of our potential, it naturally begins to emerge and blossom and flower and fruit in our lives. And this took me from living in a one-room apartment, living off of 19-cent boxes of macaroni and cheese, which I got very mm -hmm. good at making, let me just say that. I got really good at mac and cheese. <laughs> um, I could make all kinds of mac... Mac and cheese with pepper, three-layer mac and cheese, you know, uh, you name it. I could make some good mac and cheese. But I went from living in a, that little place, living off of mac and cheese, um, broken and broke, to ultimately, you know, traveling the world and million-dollar homes and marriage and family and all the things that we're, many people are, are striving for. And, but what, what I saw, and then we'll move on to the next question, because I think this is all very important to understand. Yeah. What I saw was that, most of my behaviors and actions to try to attract stuff and achieve stuff 
were creating most of the resistance to what was naturally trying to emerge because it was coming from a false premise. When you're trying to attract something or achieve something or fix and improve yourself, it's usually coming from a premise, a belief, something's missing, something's wrong, something's lacking, I'm not enough, I don't have enough, I'm broken, now let me fix myself, let me make myself more worthy, let me try to attract and achieve the things that aren't here. And that premise is a lie. It's false. Mm -hmm. And whereas the truth is that it's all here, it's already in you. And so then, then you go out in the world and try to do all these things and you're basically just rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic. And, and, so, and even if you manifest a bigger paycheck from that place, you're often just broke at a higher income bracket. Or you manifest a new mate and you end up in the same arguments. Or you manifest a bigger house and you feel even less at home. So I saw that and I realized this is why so many people are suffering and struggling and these techniques aren't working for them or they work only short term. But then those old patterns come back up again to wreak havoc on their lives because they've manipulated the world, they've changed the appearances, they've moved around the furniture but they're still fundamentally living in the same house with a bad foundation. You know, or as Gandhi mm -hmm. said, yeah. you must become the change you want to see in the world. So this, this is yes. what I, got me on fire. This became my mission to set people free, and that's what brings me to you today. Wow, wonderful. And, yeah, really, there are, like, so many lessons that we can learn just by listening to your story. And, uh, yeah, really, I, I loved when you talked about um, this illusion that we are not whole, that we are not enough, and and we feel and like we feel that always this, uh, there is something missing uh, in us. So we are we feel that we are not worthy of the life that we desire and to live the abundance and love that we that we uh, deserve. And what what happens in, that is we end up in in an ending cycle of improving ourselves. So we always yeah. look for something to improve. And we are imperfect. We are humans. So we will always find something to, to improve. And it's like we, we will um, spend our life waiting for something to be perfect. And then yeah. we feel that we are deserving what we already um, are worthy of. Yes, yes. You said a couple of really important things. The first thing, I, I want to make a distinction between self-improvement and personal mm -hmm. development. Yeah. Self-improvement says there's something wrong with myself, and I'm going to have to improve it, you know, because the self that I have is somehow imperfect and not good enough or whatever. That's a lie. Self-improvement is an oxymoron. When you know the real mm -hmm. nature of the self, you really see that it can't be improved. It's a perfect pattern, a perfect idea. It can never be improved. It can only be discovered and uncovered and, and expressed more and more. Again, the acorn is not, the oak tree is not an improved acorn. The oak tree is the potential and the truth of the acorn all along. And the acorn also is not an inadequate oak tree. It's a perfect acorn. So mm -hmm. where, wherever you are right now is a perfect expression of where you are right now. But there's much yeah. more that's trying to emerge. So, now, personal development 
is the process by which you develop certain capacities within you. Now, understand the word develop. It doesn't mean to make something that's not already there. Like, you know when, a, when you take a picture on, in the old yeah. days when we actually used to use film, <laughs> um, yeah. right? When you go into the developing room and you develop the picture, are you taking a blank piece of paper and, like, drawing a picture and making a picture that's not there? No. The picture is already there, but it's invisible. And so through the development process, you are making that which is already there become visible. So that's what that, – that's, when they say the photo is developing – they don't mean mm-hmm. we're, we're making up a photo that didn't exist. It means we're taking that which is yeah. already on the paper become visible. So personal yeah. development is about, let's say you discover that part of your life you feel a burning desire to write a book or whatever and, or get your body in shape. You start with the truth that your body is already divinely whole, complete, and perfect. It's a perfect idea. But now you're going to do certain practices that allow you to live and be in a way that is more and more congruent with that perfect idea. And therefore, that body that is invisible right now starts to develop. It starts to become visible as what you call health or strength or fitness. But yeah. you, didn't, you didn't add it. It was already there on the photo it just wasn't visible yet and through the process of development. So that's very different than what we think of when we go, you know, something's wrong with my body, let me go fix it. Or something's wrong, I'm not talented enough, let me go f- learn how to write a book. All learning is the real root of education comes from a Latin word, educare, which means to educe, to draw out of what's already there. So education, in its truest sense, is emergence. It's like the wisdom, the genius, the knowledge is already in you. The desire to write that book means the genius capacity to write is already in you. And if you go learn how to write a book, well, all you're really doing is using a teacher or a class to remember and ultimately to educe out of you what's already there. That is personal development. So I just wanted to make that distinction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I love that. And really, it makes um, a huge difference. And also, like, uh, the feeling that we have when we when we uh, say or believe that um, we are expanding or may bring into light something that is already in us. Yes. We really feel empowered, not like there is something wrong with us. So we feel like we give away our power and we feel uh, very weak. So, yeah, absolutely. That's that's really wonderful. Yes, and, absolutely. Um, Yeah, and and also um, one of the things you 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 shared when you were were sharing your story it's in the beginning, when you said that it's it's okay to 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 have challenges, and like even if we have this uh, dream life, we we may like uh, face challenges. But the thing is how we approach those challenges, how we see them. Uh, this is what makes the the huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. You know, from uh, from the Newtonian model of the universe, cause and effect, and interaction, and the belief that we're separate, and there's things that are not working and not right, a challenge appears to be a bad thing, a problem. And from the emergence model, 
when we understand, even from, you know, another example of this is what's called chaos theory. In chaos mm-hmm. theory, the, fun, the basic bottom line is that all chaos is really a larger pattern of order trying to emerge. And so if you could just step back far enough, you would see that this chaos is really a greater order emerging. And then they even have a word for it now. It's called chaotic. And yeah. so, for example, when the caterpillar weaves a cocoon and starts to like break down and liquefy and even what has some of the similar appearances as cancer, it's breaking down and liquefying and destroying itself. That could look pretty, that's a pretty big challenge. That's a pretty big seeming mm-hmm. problem. But it's yeah. creating this chaos um, in the, with the laws of entropy and the way the universe em- evolves and emerges, the way this infinite idea unfolds in time and space. It has to break down previous structures, which creates chaos, so that it can recreate mm-hmm. it around a more complex structure which reveals the evolution of an idea. So as this infinite idea unfolds, it goes through these stages of formation, disintegration, transformation, going beyond the form, and then reformation into a higher, more complex form. So this is what happens. You know, the acorn is a perfect formation, but when the larger idea begins to emerge, it cracks its protective shell it starts to break it down. And if I was an acorn with self-consciousness, I might be very, very scared. I might be freaking out. Oh, my God, my, all the things that used to protect me are falling away. They're cracking. And I might call somebody in to try to fix my shell, right? Come on, I need to, mm-hmm. I need to do some healing on my shell and keep my shell together because that's the only thing protecting me. That's what I am. I'm an acorn. I just want to be the best nut in the forest. But what's going on? My life is falling apart. That's, that's called crisis, challenge, problems. But from a larger perspective, it's actually the destiny of the acorn trying to emerge. So, and there's even certain things in nature, certain trees, the jack pine, for example, that needs a forest fire. And the forest fire ravages the area, and it burns away older trees, and it, and it, and it, and it singes the soil, and it, and it burns the jack pine, but it also melts the serotonous glue that covers the cone so that it can open up and release more seeds. And it opens up the canopy so that more light can get in, and it fertilizes the soil so that new life can grow. So this forest fire that if I was a jack pine with self-consciousness, I would be like, oh, my God, I'm burning up my life. I'm in so much pain. This is terrible. Call in the firemen, put it all out, you know. Or I might have a vision board, or I might pray every day and affirm, there are no fires in my life, there are no fires in my life, there are no fires in my life. And if I actually succeeded at that, my species would die. It would Mm -hmm. fail to thrive and reveal its potential. So we start to look at all these examples in nature, in physics, everywhere we see challenge, crisis, problems, are not happening to us, they're happening for us. They're happening for the greater evolution, the strengthening, the development. There are certain plants that need really, really difficult soil. And the difficulty of them having to dig their roots into it and anchor themselves deeper into it 
causes the activation of certain enzymes that give them thick, hardy bark so they can survive and thrive in their unique environment. So if we just went along and said, oh, my God, look at that poor planet struggling so much, and we tried to give it really soft soil, it would actually fail to thrive. So this is what's happening in our own personal lives, is our crises and our challenges are showing up to activate potential, to make us stronger. You know, kind of like if you go to a gym. Yeah. You don't go to a gym and go, why are, there, why are these things so heavy? You know, it hurts. <laughs> can, I, can I just have a gym without any weights in it? Then I'll be happy. And um, no, it tears your muscles, it stretches you, you're sore, and, um, but as the, the healing process kicks in, it makes you stronger and stronger. So that's what's going on in our lives, but we've been very much conditioned to judge the challenges, to make them wrong, and then we fight them and resist them. And as the old saying goes, what you resist persists, what you fight, you fuel. So we get stuck at the level of the problem. And as Einstein said, you can't solve a problem at the level of the thinking that created the problem. You have to actually move out of the problem mindset and move more into a visionary mindset. So you have to start asking bigger questions, better questions, not what's wrong with me, why isn't this working, what did I do wrong, oh God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, you have to ask questions like, What's the larger life trying to emerge by means of this challenge? How is this calling me to grow? How is this trying to make me stronger? What qualities of my character do I need to develop that would allow me to be okay in the midst of this and even free in the midst of this and maybe even empowered in the midst of this? And if I was to get through this on the other side, what, what qualities would I have developed and, and expressed. And then you take those qualities and those answers and you start to activate and cultivate and develop them right now. And that now starts to move you away from the vibration of the problem and it lifts you outside of that or higher than that to the level of the solution. So, so we embrace our problems, we bless them, we give thanks for them, we get excited about them, and we understand that our problems are really the prophets in our life. They're telling us what's trying to happen, what, what's the vision of possibility. And then every challenge and every problem makes us better. It's like every tombstone becomes a stepping stone. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's really wonderful. And also, if, if we look back and see uh, all those challenges that we went through, like it's, it's because of them that we... We discovered more about ourselves, and we become like really stronger than than before. And yeah, absolutely, I I really love everything you you shared. And uh, and Derek, also there is um, one point is we have a, a belief maybe uh, uh, in in our global consciousness that when someone wants to start maybe a business or look for a job, uh, there is this tendency to to look for something that's that's wor that, that works that's they bring more money, and when we when we um, want to maybe do something that we love, we have this fear that there will be a lot of struggle in in this field. So we we always like uh, see what will bring us uh, um, like more income instead of 
like making things work uh, in what we love. Yeah, I mean, that's the challenge. You know, again, depending on the thing we want to do and we love, it may not immediately seem like it's going to meet our needs or pay our mm-hmm. bills. And and it's a challenge, but ultimately there's like a, a divine mandate that we must pursue and develop and and give the gifts that we are uniquely here to give. If you're not producing the fruit that you are designed to produce in the world, it's like the parable of Jesus and the fig tree where the fig tree is not producing any fruit and he curses the tree and it dies. People are like, most people just skip over that part. They're like, what? Why would you yeah. do that? That's horrible. Um, and it's a metaphor. You know, it's like when a, when a branch is not flowering or producing any fruit anymore, what does the gardener do with it? They prune it. Mm-hmm. They cut yeah. it off. And so if you're not doing the thing you're here for, if you're not being the person you're supposed to be, you're not from from the standpoint of the efficiency of the universe that's a problem because all of nature is efficient all of nature is constantly it's using you know weather storms animals um insects fires to keep removing all the stuff that does not serve the larger vision and potential and the same thing is true in our lives now it doesn't mean you're necessarily going to die but what will start yeah. to happen is your life will stagnate. You'll start to feel depressed. Depression is a lack of expression of your truth. You'll start to feel, you know, separate and cut off. And as you stagnate, it'll show up often in your bank account. You'll have less mm-hmm. money. Or if you have the money, it'll show up in your body. You'll have less health. Or in your relationships, less connection, less love. But your life will stagnate. So that's that's just the principle. That's just the truth. We have to make understanding our purpose and our vision the most important thing in our life as a starting point. That's why in Proverbs it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But then as we move into the world and we have a vision for our life, you know, we want to create this kind of a life. We want to have this kind of a business. We want to give these kind of gifts in the world. We want to become this kind of person in the world. And we have that now, and it's inspiring and it's powerful. Yeah, it's not easy to accomplish. And all of the challenges and struggles that present themselves are, again, that's the divine workout room. That's there to make us stronger, to grow and evolve our soul. Because from the standpoint of the soul, it's not so much concerned about how many possessions you have at the end of a year or even the end of a lifetime. It cares about how much greater possession you have of yourself. Are you more loving, more kind, more compassionate, more peaceful, more joyful, more creative? Is more of you expressing? That's what your spirit or your soul cares about. It doesn't care about how much money per se is in the bank, but if you are allowing more and more of you to express, then that shows up as your needs being taken care of. Now, a couple little practical things. Um, In my book, Emergence, by the way, I walk you through step-by-step how to get this vision clear and then how to begin to to design a way of life that allows you to activate those potentials 
and start to live into that life and that vision and that purpose in a, in a real way, in a very practical way. So we can't go through all of the seven stages of it, but um, for those of you that want to grab that book, you can go to myemergencebook.com, and if you buy it through that site, I'll give you, I think it's right now, over $1,000 in additional bonuses and programs and stuff. You can also grab the Emergence podcast on iTunes with a bunch more trainings to, to support you and to make this practical. But a couple quick tips right now. If you are you know, trying to build a new business or write that book or whatever the dream life is, um, it doesn't, it's okay if you also have to work at a job that you don't love and in order to pay your bills. It's not only okay, in many cases it's necessary because the things you're developing and activating within you by going into an environment on a regular basis and doing your work is actually making you more and more the kind of person and the instrument you need to be to live your bigger vision. And, uh, Monsef, have you heard my story about when I was a waiter? Uh, I don't remember. Is it in the book? Uh, because it's, it's it, been a time when I... It, it is in it. the book. It is in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll just really super quickly tell it. Because yeah. a lot of times, yeah, sure. you know, we're, we're, um, we're in a relationship or a job that we don't like or don't hate or it's not fulfilling us or it's not our dream. And where our attention goes is... We complain about it, we feel bad about it, we feel sorry for ourselves about it, or we're angry about it, and then we kind of fantasize and dream about someday when I'll have a better life, a better relationship, a better job, whatever. And meanwhile, we're not actually growing where we are. And that's kind of like a plant. Imagine a plant that's in a pot, a little pot, a little plant, and it has self-consciousness, and it's looking at all the bigger pots, and the field where the big trees are, and going, God, look at my little pot. This is all I have, this little old pot. Why can't I be in those bigger pots? It's not fair. Something must be wrong with me. Something's wrong with life. I just want to be in the bigger pots and be in the field with all those other big trees. This sucks. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, it's not growing and filling out the pot it's in. What's going to happen to that plant? It's going to stay in that little pot. But if instead it does what plants tend to do, is if it's nourished and fed, which we have the capacity to do for ourselves, it grows and grows and it fills out completely the pot that it's in. It stretches its roots completely. It takes total advantage of the pot it's in. And then what does the gardener do? The gardener plants it in a bigger pot. And then again, if it fills that out, the gardener plants it in a bigger pot. And eventually, it sets it free in the field. And so that's how life works. So if you're, when I, I remember I, after I had my sort of spiritual opening, I, everything kind of fell apart. And at a certain point, I didn't have any money, and I had to get a job. And uh, I got a job as a waiter. So I went, I went from being this up-and-coming actor who had starred in movies and TV and all of this to being a mm-hmm. waiter. I did it in reverse. You're supposed to go from being a waiter to an actor. I went from being a yeah. successful actor to a waiter. And it was humiliating and embarrassing, and I had to wait on people I'd actually been in movies with. And it was just horrible. So I decided to practice what I was discovering. And I began to show up at that job 
as if it was the job of my dreams. I began to be the person I would be if I was living the life of my dreams. I began to bring the joy and the excellence, the creativity, the service. I began to let go of certain habits that were not in integrity with who I wanted to be. I stopped gossiping, complaining about the customers. I started helping the other waiters. I gave more than I was being paid for. I just started showing up and filling out that environment. And I got fired from that job three times. And every time I got hired back again because they realized it was a mistake, the manager thought, you know, was scapegoating me because they thought I was trying to get their job. The other waiters were mad at me because they thought I was making them look bad because I was doing so good. <laughs> you know, whatever reason, I just kept getting fired. But eventually I stayed fired. And within a month or so I got hired and I went from making $50 a day to another job where I was making 1000 a day. I went from waiting on people in a three-star restaurant to being wined and dined in five-star restaurants around the country, and from having a vision of teaching and helping and changing people's lives to now being paid very well to do it. And, uh, and then what's important to understand is that that change in my life, that growth, that success, it did not happen in the future. It happened while I was working that job that I started off not liking. Because like the plant, I decided to fill it out as if it was my dream, as if, as if holding nothing back. And I even eventually wrote an article called How I Stopped Waiting and Started Serving, you know, because a waiter is called mm-hmm. a server also. And, yes. and so I filled out that pot And so, you know, when the farmer replants it into a bigger pot, the moment it gets planted in the bigger pot, you would call that the new success. Well, that didn't happen in that moment. It happened with all the time the plant was growing in the little pot. And so wherever you are, if you have a big dream, that's awesome. Articulate it, define it, write it down, you know, really get excited about it. But then wherever you currently are, if you have to get a job or you're in a job and you do need the money right now to pay your bills, this is the practice. And, again, I walk through this in the book more specifically, the whole template of, you know, what I call emergineering, which is how to engineer this emergence in your life. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's, that's really powerful. And yeah, I love when you said um, do the job as if, It's the job of your dream um, because it's there that we uh, learn uh, this um, really the, the way, the true way of being, how to how we can create uh, uh, our li- uh, our dream life. Because when we have this, it's like the essence. We we bring it to life, and after that, whenever uh, whenever we are, or even if we change the job or the business, we will. Um, we will transform that because we have this essence, the, our way of being. It's it's uh, really expanded. So yeah, I really love that. Exactly. Exactly. While I was uh, on that job, yeah. I was strengthening my ability to stand in my power, to be confident, and I was activating a vibration. Remember, mm-hmm. it's already here. It's already happening. This yes. is what you know when Jesus said, when they were like, "When's heaven going to come?" and "What's it going to look like?" and he was like. Yo, yo, guys, check it out. Heaven's not going to come. You're not going to see it. It's already here. He said that. And he said it's it's within you. 
Buddha taught the same thing. All the great prophets and master teachers, Muhammad, Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, Lao Tzu, Kuan Yin, they all fundamentally taught the same idea. They just taught it with their own unique distinctions and their own unique cultural idioms. But the fundamental idea was it's already within you. <clears throat> it's already here. Now here are some practices and things to kind of like bring your life into harmony with it and be and be the kind of person where it can start to express in the world. And mm -hmm. an analogy I like to use is like the radio. Right where you guys are right now, you're inundated with broadcasts. And somewhere in those broadcasts, your favorite music is playing. But it's not manifest right now because you don't have the dial of your radio tuned to the frequency where that music is playing. So when you tune the dial of your radio so that that frequency matches and literally becomes the frequency of that station, that station becomes manifest or otherwise known as a manifest station. Now, where was the music before it became manifest? It was right where you are. You didn't have to, it wasn't like in the, in the distance. You didn't have to grab your radio and run down the street to catch it. It wasn't in the future. You didn't have to sit there and wait for it to show up. And you also didn't have to create it. You had to come into, freak, into alignment with it. So the distance between you and your music was only a distance of frequency. So when you're showing up and bringing the love and the joy and the excellence and the creativity and a feeling of inspiration and possibility to whatever you're doing, you are tuning the frequency of your consciousness, of your mind, and your heart to that station where the music of your soul is always playing, where that beat of abundance is always expressing, where that symphony of success is completely expressing. It's not in the future. It's not in the distance. It's all broadcasting right where you are. So when you're doing all the things we're talking about, at bottom, it's about coming into harmony into integrity into alignment with what's already true and with what's already happening and so in that case you don't make it happen you make it welcome yeah yeah absolutely that's that's really beautiful um thank you derek and uh yeah derek i would love if we can uh maybe take a couple of questions from our audience Sure, if there's people that are wanting to ask questions, I would love to. Great. So um, here we have uh, a caller from New York City. Phone number ending with 2116. I think it's Kate. Hello. Hi there, Kate. You there? You might have to unmute your phone. Is that better? Yeah. Yes, Kate. Oh, oh thank you. So much, thank you. Um, I'm my name is Kate, and I'm actually in Sedona right now. And thank you so much for this show. I feel like I've been, like you said, that that challenges and difficulties can make us stronger. But I feel like over my lifetime, I've had so much stress and loss and things like that that it's made me weaker. You know, just right. like I. And I used to have, you know, and I still do have the desire to help the world and contribute to the world, but I feel like I get wrapped up in these 
these just, I don't know if it's just karma or, you know, it, it feels like it's not making me stronger. It feels like it's taking me away from contributing to the world and it's just wearing Absolutely. me down. Absolutely. So let me talk to you a little bit about that, Kate. So, again, to use the analogy of, like, working out, there's two ways that you can hurt yourself or it won't make you stronger. One way is if you go into a gym and you just work out and 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 you never take a break, every day you work the same muscles, you'll actually just keep tearing yourself down. So we understand that, right? So that's one yes. thing that happens. We don't give ourselves intervals. We don't give ourselves rest. We pray for something, but we keep praying for it every single day as if it's not working, and that's like planting a seed, and we keep pulling it up every week to see if it's working, and we keep killing the seed. So that's one reason why it doesn't work. The other reason is if you go into a gym and you don't really know, understand the nature of exercise, you don't really understand how these weights are supposed to benefit you, and so you lift them wrong or you drop them on your foot, you know, or <laughs> you just kind of pound your head with a weight and go, why is it not making me stronger? Um, so the lack of understanding how to work with the challenge is most often why we're not getting the benefit. So when you, because part of your framework, if is even in the way you're talking, is I can hear and sense that you still see a lot of these things as having happened to you, as you having been somewhat victimized by it, and that there's not a framework where you actually feel and know and are talking to yourself in a way and processing these things in a way that empowers you. Mm -hmm. It's hard. Like, I'm trying to see it like that, but it's like, I, you know, I was robbed and all my most sentimental belongings stolen and money stolen yeah. and it's just like over and over and it's like it's hard to, to feel empowered or to feel like it's Absolutely. helping me. That Absolutely. Kind of thing. So in every challenge, there, there's a saying, behind every human aberration, there is a spiritual aspiration trying to emerge. So in every challenge, there's a deeper truth that's trying to be activated. So let's say, for example, you feel alone, you were betrayed when you were younger, your father left, whatever. You got your heart broken, and so you have kind of a map of the world that it's kind of scary out there, it's kind of lonely out there, I'm kind of on my own. So we design a map, we create a map of reality. And then we develop a survival kit to kind of make it through that world. And so it's a lonely world, I'm on my own, you know, you can't really trust people, as an example. And now your coping mechanisms and the way you interact with things are always coming from that place. That core wound, though, is really a core initiation. It's actually calling you to discover a deeper truth. So in this case, it's calling you to discover that you're never alone, that you're totally loved and supported, that everything is always working together for your good, or in your case, you can never lose anything real. Nobody can ever steal anything from you because everything you could ever want, hope for, desire, and need is within you. You brought it with you. And it's an, an intrinsic part of your being. So that's like a truth principle. So now you know the principle, but that's not the end of it. That's just the beginning of it. Now you have to actually work with that principle or work out with that principle. And 
and you're going to bump into the, the, the anger, the sadness, the frustration, and you don't want to work out with anger, sadness, and frustration, or you're just going to get stronger muscles of anger, sadness, and frustration, but you bump into it, you, not, you notice it, you don't fight it or resist it, and you come back to working out with the principle, I'm totally supported, I'm totally loved, I'm totally taken care of. Let me become a student of that. Let me become an apprentice of that idea. Let me read books and listen to audios that describe why that's true. And then let me start talking to myself on a regular daily basis about how that's true. When I bump into the self-talk of, why does this happen to me? It's not fair. Look at I got robbed. Look at I got cheated. Look at I got betrayed. We notice it. We don't fight it. We don't strengthen that muscle. We come back to, but, but I'm learning this truth now that I'm actually supported. I know I can't see it right now. I can't see the muscle, but, but the potential is there. Let me exercise this truth. Let me pray about it. Let me affirm it. Let me visualize it. Let me feel what it feels like to be supported, to be taken care of, to have all my needs met. Let me start to notice my conversations and notice when I have conversations where I'm actually exercising the belief that I'm not taken care of, that it's not fair, that it's not working, let me put that weight down and have conversations where I'm exercising vision and possibility and that I'm supported. Let me not exercise my ability to look at the world and see all the places where I'm not supported. I don't want to make that muscle stronger. Let me exercise my ability to look around and see all the ways that I am supported, that I am taken care of, that I am abundant. So this just, we start to develop these muscles, these abilities to see the truth, to feel the truth, to talk about the truth. And then we say, if this was true, how would I be in my life? How would I be in this job, in this relationship? How would I approach my work? And then we start to consciously step into being that kind of person. And now you put it all together, feeling, being, seeing, and doing. These are the pillars of development of this body of light. And now it's becoming real. You start to have moments where you're like, you just feel happy or supported for no good reason. Things might even be going not good on the outside, but you're starting to feel like something else is happening. And eventually you kind of anchor into that but notice it's a journey and a process. Now, what happens for a lot of people is they start to do that. They do some affirmations, some prayers, whatever. But then most of the rest of the time, they're worrying, they're doubting, they're fearing, they're entertaining and exercising those muscles. They're talking about how bad it is. They're, you know, looking around and seeing everything that's not working. And then they're arguing with themselves and telling themselves it's not and, they, and, you know, they, they go to the gym and they, they work out for five minutes and they go home and eat Twinkies and Ding Dongs the rest of the day. That's like an equivalent. And we don't mean to do that. It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an evolutionary artifact of the ego that thinks it's protecting us by continually to bring our attention to the problem. But we have to consciously bring it back. And sometimes we have to, like, get down with it. we got to design a way of life and a practice that we decide I will not entertain the lie anymore. I will not judge by appearances no matter what. I'm going to do whatever it takes 
to convince myself that I am taken care of and supported because that's the truth spiritually. And, and, and then at some point, you, you embody it, and it's real for you. And, and as that happens, your life starts to reflect what you are now embodying. And, and the challenge that it takes to get through that journey is divinely designed for you to become the kind of person who can really give the gifts and, and the purpose you're here for. Um, in fact, I don't know what you do for a living or want to do, but I, I can sense that you're here to be a teacher. What, what do you do? Um, I've done different things working with the United Nations and shoe design and real estate, but I, I really just want to, you know, contribute to the world more and work with children and, and, um, be, you know, bring healing to places where they don't, you know, they, they don't have access to it and stuff. Yeah. So kind of connecting healers with people yeah. that need healing that can't afford it, that can't, don't have access to it using technology. So, so in other yeah. words, you want to help people that have had life experiences where they've experienced not having enough, not being enough, not being supported, even having what they had taken away by government or, or environment. So you want to work with people that are in, a, in an extreme version of the kind of struggles you've had. Do you see that? Yeah, yeah. So it's all designed. So just feel it. A little activation just happened there. Just breathe into that. Breathe into your heart. And feel the resonance and the truth that life is speaking to you right now in this moment in your heart. I can feel it. So you've been on a journey, as I often say to people, you know, who want to be trainers or teachers or whatever, you're living your workshop right now. You're living your talk. If you're an you're, you're artist, you're living the work of art. And so nothing has been by accident. You've been being prepared to experience loss and lack and challenge and struggle, but then to pierce the veil of that appearance and discover there's a peace and a joy and a protection and a support and a love and an abundance that's right there so that you can become more anchored in that, that the world can't give us and the world can't take away, so that when you work with these people, whether you're saying it or not, you're going to be giving that gift, that healing gift to them. You're going to be creating a world, a, 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 an environment, a frequency that starts to lift them up. Because if you're in the ditch and you're seeing them as being broken and lost and unsupported and unloved, you can't help them. You're actually in the ditch with them. You have to be able, that's sympathy. You're vibrating with them. You can't do them any good. But if you are empathizing, that is where you are standing outside the ditch, looking down and understanding where they're feeling. So that's the first level of healing. But then if you move to compassion, now you understand where they're at. You feel with them. You're still not, but you're not in the ditch. Now you can reach a hand down to help them up. And then finally you get to the level of mastery. And that is where you feel with them, you see them, you understand with compassion where they're stuck, and you are able to help them up, but now you have like a forklift that can literally lift them all out of the ditch, no problem. That's healing. All healing is the healing is, comes from the consciousness of wholeness. So when you see wholeness in people, that's what heals them. If you see them as a victim, 
if you see them as poor thing, look at all the bad stuff that's happened to you, you can't actually heal them. You can only help them manipulate circumstances temporarily. But real healing is where you see through the appearances because you've pierced it in your own life. You see that right there is a perfect, empowered, supported, loved, brilliant being. I know, I know the appearances don't testify to that, but I've seen through those appearances. And now I can lift them up. Is this making sense? Yeah, so I have to see myself as, as whole, too, and not, not shattered by all this experiences exactly exactly and the parts the layers where that's hard to do where you get a little bit of a payoff from seeing yourself as bad as broken and poor me there's payoffs because it's there's sympathy there's you know all these levels of payoffs where you get to be right about how wronged you've been and the ego loves that the ego wants to be right even if it's right about how wrong it is Um, so you start to see through all of those layers. And, and again, as you become a student of the truth principle and decide you're going to master it, you're going to lift those weights until you're strong in the belief that nothing real can ever be hurt, that I'm more powerful and beautiful and abundant and supported than I've ever imagined, then that journey allows you to sit with a person who's suffering and not try to fix them, but also not get caught in their story. Because again, if you sympathize with them, you've just stepped, you've just dropped into the ditch with them and you can't help them out. So, but you also have compassion because you've been there. So you're not just, you know, not identifying. You totally can feel with them. They feel loved and seen and valued and heard. But your energy, your knowing is so much more than that that now you can lift them out of the ditch. But you've got to do that to yourself. You've got to be able to lift yourself out of that ditch. And this is what life is giving you an opportunity to do. And, and the, the harder it's been and the darker it's been, it's like, you know, an analogy in nature. The deeper the roots have to go down into the dark soil, the taller the shoots are able to move towards the light. And the deeper the roots, the richer the fruits. You can do it, my dear. Thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I can't wait to listen to it again. So thank you. Thank you so much. And just, and just know that I've got you in my heart and in prayer. So I'll be doing some work for you over the next 30 days. And oh, uh, just keep breathing and leaning into that this field of love and support. You are more loved and supported than you can even imagine. But life can't do it to you. It has to do it through you. And... Mm. Um, so you have to begin to identify more and more with it and do the work to own it. If you, are, if you haven't joined the Emergence podcast, check it out because there's a lot of stuff on there where you'll, you can get, keep getting reinforced in this. Okay. Thank you right. very, very much. I'm so You're grateful. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Kate. Thank you, Monta. Wow. That was powerful. And, uh, yeah, I loved when uh, you said to her that's really um, – when we move through some challenges in our life, it's there that we we can know uh, why we came here to Earth and how we can serve others uh, later. And really, this makes a huge difference. Like when we uh, we face a challenge, like the way we see it, it's this is an opportunity for for me to to learn how I will help others uh, when I uh, 
when I uh, move beyond this challenge or after I learn the the lesson. So that's yeah, it's that's all me. it's it's all designed perfectly for that. You know, there's the old saying, mm-hmm. "Hurt people, hurt people." So if you've been hurt, you end up hurting others. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, healed people heal people. Mm-hmm. So when, when uh, you know a hurt healer actually does more damage. Uh, you know, an angry yeah. activist actually perpetuates the problem. You know, a fundamentalist religious person who's coming from fear actually does, not only doesn't save anybody, but actually enslaves them. So, but if you're willing to move through all of that, the fear, the hurt, the fundamentalism, all these fear patterns, all of these hurt patterns, and see the blessing and receive the lesson and let it lift the weights that make you stronger... Now when you become a healer, a teacher, an activist, a spiritual leader, whatever the case is, you are now bringing the vibration of wholeness. You are now a light in the world. And everything that has happened in your life experience has been divinely designed for that purpose. There are no mistakes. There are no accidents. There are no extra parts. Our life is not a piece of furniture from Ikea. (laughs) There are no extra parts. It's all divinely designed. It's like a great play. The author has planted everything in that play. The enemies, the allies, the obstacles, all of it, so that that character can evolve and move from being merely a protagonist to ultimately the hero and heroine and get the golden fleece and reveal the the wisdom back to the village. It's all been designed to support us and to support the rest of the world that we're meant to serve. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Derek. And, absolutely. Uh, we could do another one if you want. All right. Yes, um, would you like to take a caller or take a question from the webcast? Either either way, whatever you feel inspired to do. Okay, so um, let's take a question from the webcast. We have here a question from Dashi, D-A-S-H-E-E. From Denver, uh, you teach one to connect with the soul. Should this be done on a spiritual level with a faith in God or the divine, separate from the ego self? Should this be done on a spiritual level? What was the next piece? With, separate. Uh, like having faith in God or the divine. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah so, so understand, yeah, faith, the way we normally think of faith is not really what faith is. Faith is the substance of that which is not seen. It is the evidence of that which is yet to come. In other words, faith is a real substantial thing. So, you know, there's there's blind faith, and that's a stepping stone, meaning I, I I just believe, and we have a powerful belief, but that belief will only take us so far. You know, it's like the minute we're up against really hard things, the belief is not enough. But So we want to ultimately have a knowing. We don't want to have a faith in God. We just hope and believe there's a God or that, <clears throat> that it's real. We ultimately want to have a personal and intimate connection with the actual presence of God, of spirit, of life, so that that presence is real to us. It's real. It's not a belief. So belief is the starting point. Now, so, so in other words, it's not just a 
passive, well, I'm just going to have faith. I'm just going to let go and let God. Okay, God, show me the way. I believe. Mm-hmm. That's called magical thinking. That's, that's mm-hmm. still based on a belief that there's some God separate from you that's going to eventually come bless you or help you. There is no such God. You, God can only do for you what God can do through you. You're, you're not on your way to God or to heaven or to anything any more than a sunbeam is on its way to the sun. The sunbeam is coming from the sun. It's an emanation of the light. You are coming from God, from love, from truth. You're an expression of God, like a branch on the tree of life. You're not on your way back to the tree. You are the way the tree is expressing itself and extending itself and bearing its fruit in the world. So, so we have to do the work. You know, this is one of the reasons why Jesus said, if I don't go, if I don't get out of here, the comforter will not come. Because he realized people kept depending on him. They thought he was the source of everything. And he was like, no, 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 there's a principle here. You guys got to practice it. You got to actually do something. You can't ride on Jesus' coattails into heaven or Buddha or Krishna or Lao Tzu or Muhammad. Mm-hmm. You, you have to take their teachings and then you have to actually get down like James Brown, you know, and really do the work. You've got to practice yeah. the principles, right? So, so a lot of times when we say, well, do I just have to have faith? Yeah, that's a stepping stone. But then you have to actually build a way of life and a daily practice that is actually practicing the principles. I'll give one other example to try to bring this home. Yeah. So if you have faith that, the water will hold you up and you'll float. But you don't really understand the principle of buoyancy and you haven't learned how to align your body with the principle of buoyancy, but I believe, and you get out into the water, you're going to sink. So your belief won't make you float. What will make you float, the belief will get you started. It will get you like, okay, I believe it's possible to float, so I'm going to start getting into the water. But I'm not going to just dive into the deep end because I'm going to sink. I'm going to take my belief to step into the water, but now I'm going to understand the principle of buoyancy and I'm going to start to practice it until my body is in integrity with it. Same thing with a plane. You can have faith that there's laws of aerodynamics, but if you get into a plane with just faith, you're going to crash or you're never going to get off the ground. Or, you know, you've got you to... Build the structure, first of all, that's in integrity with the principle of aerodynamics, and then learn how to operate that in integrity with the principle of dynamics. Once you've done that, practiced that, and embodied that, you don't need faith anymore because you have a knowing. And now your plane will fly whether you believe in it or not. But, of course, you, you, you don't just believe in it. You know it now. And so yeah. that's, that's how we have to work with the principles of, of truth, of spirituality. The faith takes us, you know, the blind faith takes us to start practicing, and then eventually it becomes real faith, which is a knowing, a direct encounter with love, a direct encounter with peace. You know, you can have all the intellectual knowledge in the world about broccoli and the benefits of broccoli, but if you're not actually eating it, and experiencing it, you don't know broccoli. So, so that's what it is to know God, to know truth, and to be a real practitioner of it and to get the results of it. We have to have a way of life and a practice that 
is constantly coming into alignment with it. And the whole emergence or emergineering process that I talk about in the book yeah. is a step-by-step way to do that. You can use that for your spiritual practice. You can use that for your business practice. You can use that for your family or relationships. It's always the same idea, coming in alignment with the vision, the principle, and then developing a way of life that, that tunes you into that over and over again until it becomes embodied. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's really beautiful. Um, it's um, it's like it's it's a co-creation, like with the universe, with God, and there is a part of responsibility um, of us. We need to like to practice this, the, like you said, the 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 blind faith, and we need like to, to move uh, to a knowing state, as you said. Yeah, that's that's really wonderful. It is and, a co-creation. Uh, it's a co-creation because you know God. Whatever your idea of God is, God is not a man on a cloud with a beard. God yes. is a spirit and a principle and life itself, but it's infinite. Yes. It's infinite, right? So yes. there's no way for in, for you to experience or manifest infinity. It can only manifest and be expressed in finite ways. So that's why, you know, we're like, why doesn't God just do it? If God just did it, it would be all of infinity expressing and it would completely shatter every structure, and you would experience nothing. <laughs> That's why it says in the Bible, yeah. you cannot see the face of God and live. So, so God can't just do it to you. The reason why you exist as, as an individual expression of God or life is because that's the way this infinite life experiences and expresses itself. So, and the reason why you have free will is because you are the way God is knowing itself as individual being progressively, evolutionarily, moment by moment, day by day. So it's infinite. There's no end to it. So there has to be a way by which this infinity can unfold. And it unfolds at your point of choice and free will. So you have to co-create with that infinite impulse, that evolutionary impulse, to let it out, let it out a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You have to take part in that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's wonderful. And and then if you want to go even further, you can, like I said, get the book Emergence, and yes. you can get that at myemergencebook.com. And uh, I'm going to give you some additional bonuses and support and all that to apply it. And then if you want to, like, just while you're waiting for the book to come or whatever, you can always grab the Emergence podcast where I I address a lot of these subjects and issues, um, you know, in smaller bite-sized pieces. Um, there's about a 100 of them, so you can get them. And I would invite you to download them all because they're actually getting archived every week now. So, you know, you might go back and go, oh, what happened to that one? Well, it's been archived now. So if you go grab it, you can get access to about a 100 trainings just download them and, and then listen to them while you're driving or exercising or eating or, or not eating but cooking or um, cleaning. And it just will kind of wash over you and activate this potential in you. And and then, you know, don't let any of this stuff overwhelm you guys. You know, find something you can do today. Find some way you can practice this a little bit every day. And as that becomes a habit, you can add to it. You can build upon it. But if you have it, if you don't already have a strong practice, don't try to like do ten things at once because you'll just overwhelm yourself 
and uh, you won't continue with it. The key is practice. The key is building real new habits. You know, your conditions don't determine your destiny. Your character does. And your character is built by your habits. That's why Confucius said, all men are alike, but it is their habits that separates them. And your habits are built by what you're committed to consistently. So Mm -hmm. if you just commit consistently to a bigger life, a bigger vision, and start to build these habits on a daily basis, you'll change your character, and that character will determine your greater destiny. Not where you've been, not your past, not even your karma, not any of that, but your character, which actually means the etch of God on your soul. So I hope this has been supportive and helpful for you all. And, you know, I really appreciate you having me on here, Monsef. Thank you. Thank you so much, Derek. And really, um, thank you for your time and for sharing with us um, really, uh, like, this wonderful wisdom and insights. It's really an eye-opening and really it shifts um, our perspectives about life and how we can uh, live it, like, live the life we, we really desire and follow our calling and what we are here to do. So really thank you so much. You're most welcome. It's my honor and pleasure. I love and appreciate you all. And I, again, look forward to connecting with you more. Yeah, thank you so much, Derek. And uh, yeah, with that, everyone, I I want to thank you for joining us today live and also those of you who listen to the replay. Thank you for um, your co-creation and for uh, for being with us, for your presence. And uh, yeah, again, you will find the links on uh, for the, the free audio course on the webcast on the replay page. And yeah, with that, I send you a tremendous amount of love and see you on the next call. Bye-bye. If you'd like to listen to live episodes and interact with our speakers, you can go to yourdivineuniqueness.com. Your, Y-O-U-R, divine, D-I-V-I-N-E, uniqueness, U-N-I-Q-U-E-N-E-S-S dot com.